The Family Times podcast is a true crime podcast that focuses on the cases of children who have been affected or killed by the ravages of abuse, neglect, torture, starvation, and any other crimes committed against children. Our mission is to give voice to the voiceless and to challenge you all to take action in your own communities to demand better protection for our most vulnerable. Viewer and listener discretion is advised due to the explicit nature of the content that we cover. Welcome back to the Family Ties Podcast. Kelly Ritchie here. Thank you all for joining me today. Before we get started, I'd like to invite each and every one of you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, like my videos, and share your thoughts and comments with me. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, please rate and subscribe wherever you find your pods. I welcome your feedback, your suggestions, and your case recommendations. So please post away. I don't even know where to begin with today's episode. This case was one that I'd not heard of before, but was recommended by one of our viewers. And I am just warning you in advance, this is extremely upsetting. The events and details are extremely tragic, heinous, upsetting. And once again, all of this could have been completely prevented. Today we'll discuss the torture, abuse, murder, and horrific disposal of seven-year-old Adrian Jones. This is another story out of Kansas. And there are so many people in this story who failed little Adrian that if I had a way to name each and every one of them for you, I would. But there are just too many people to count in this child's life who failed him. This was failure, negligence, and pathological apathy on the part of those who knew yet did nothing. Now, let's start at the beginning. I'm going to try my best to give you guys a timeline but a lot of things will bleed into each other, but I'm really working hard to make sure that these are a little bit, these cases are easy to digest and that I'm taking everybody's feedback and comments um, to heart and trying to cover these in better ways every day. Adrian started life out with his biological mother and siblings in Lawrence, Kansas for the first two years of his life. In 2012, Adrian was removed from his mother's care by the Kansas Department for Children and Families. We'll just call him DCF. And guess what? DCF was in last week's case as well, failing yet another child. So anyways, just leave that there for now. He was removed from his mother's care after he was found unsupervised at home. This poor child had a short life that was just filled with abuse and neglect. He wouldn't have been removed from her home if she hadn't been negligent or abusive in some way. This seems like it's more of a clear-cut case of just negligence rather than like actively harming him, but um, I don't really know the full story there. Like what how many times they, you know, DCF had been involved, how many times this mother had popped up on the radar or been called and reported on, whatever. But that this is what happened. So then DCF then sent Adrian to live with his father, Michael Jones, and his wife, Heather Jones. Only three months later, hotline calls were flooding in about how Michael had guns everywhere and how Heather was seen to be high on drugs, in addition to some other concerns for Adrian's safety. The pair had other children living in the home in addition to Adrian, and there were reports made about other children also showing signs of starvation, weight loss, and physical injuries. Some of the hotline calls that were being made stated that Adrian was being beaten and choked by Michael and Heather. Additionally, one other caller told Child Services that Adrian had been spanked so hard on one occasion that his buttocks were bleeding. CPS is going to do something, right? 
they're going to step in and save this boy and these other children, right? The Washington Post reports that the family temporarily moved to Missouri, where hotline calls continued. One caller reported that Adrian's stepmother would beat the living daylights out of him for no reason and would sell meth out of the home, the lawsuit stated. In 2013, a Missouri Children's Division social worker and a police officer spoke with Adrian. He was honest and he told them about abuse that was taking place to him. He said that uh, daddy kicks me and that he keeps hitting me in the head and punches me in the stomach and mom keeps pulling on my ears and it really hurts. He also told them that Heather and Michael always lock him in his room. I don't know what, what parts of these things he's telling them that aren't red flags or major, major, major issues, but whatever. Adrian also told them that Michael would kick him so hard in the back of the head that, quote, a little bone comes out. What? What are they going to do about this? Medical staff and investigators even examined little Adrian. The Missouri Children's Division decided to simply provide in-home services to the family, even though Michael and Heather refused to cooperate. So they decided it was best not to remove him or anything, but to leave him there and just provide more services that the family is completely just refusing. In fact, it gets even worse. Adrian was the one who was treated as the problem by CPS. He underwent treatment for disruptive behavior and parent-child relationship problems. The Washington Post also reports that his father and stepmother reported that Adrian frequently wet the bed, stole and hoarded food, picked sores and lit fires, all of these things that are characteristics that are common in young victims of child abuse. At one point, Michael and Heather even asked authorities to remove Adrian from their home, yet Adrian remained. Even though the, the children's division knew about abuse taking place, they left Adrian there to starve and die. There was plenty of evidence to corroborate Adrian's version of events of uh, abuse and neglect. In fact, Adrian's own grandmother reported his abuse to DCF twice before he was murdered. So there, there's plenty of, of opportunities here to do the right thing or protect this child. Like, why, why would you not consider turning him over to the grandmother? I, I just don't understand so many things about this case. So then, more from the Washington Post reveals that for a period of several months in 2014, Adrian was placed in a residential treatment center in Grandview, Missouri, having been diagnosed with post-traumatic post stress disorder. He was discharged on September 4th of 2014 on the condition, this is what gets me, you guys, that his father and stepmother follow an aftercare plan, including enrollment in school and therapy. The center did not follow up with Adrian after he was discharged, the lawsuit alleges. A month later, Adrian's stepmother emailed the boy's therapist at the treatment center saying, Adrian was getting to be too much all over again. A year later, no less, Adrian would be dead. So just keep that in mind. Heather and Michael made it clear they didn't want Adrian. They didn't hide their abuse or neglect of him. Law enforcement and child welfare services didn't seem to care either. As a result, Heather and Michael did whatever they wanted with his precious little life, knowing that Adrian meant nothing to those who had authority to help. Child services knew that he was being neglected and abused and made a conscious decision to take a hands-off approach. Did CPS not even want to bother to find a safer place for Adrian to be 
placed, even short term. Some of the abuse was even documented on Michael and Heather's extensive security camera system that was set up around their property. According to the timestamps on the recorded footage, it looks like the abuse had been going on for at least the past nine months. And to make matters even worse, the sick couple recorded Adrian's torture, abuse, and murder. Heather even saved their photos of abuse and torture of Adrian to her iCloud, and even shared these horrible photos with multiple people over Facebook and shared her stories of their intentional abuse with others. So when I talked about how many people existed that failed little Adrian, I'm including these people as well. The Washington Post reports that leading up to the boy's death, his stepmother, Heather Jones, often posted angry rants about Adrian and alluded to wanting to kill him, according to an affidavit that was uh, obtained by the Kansas City Star. On Christmas Day 2014, the stepmother made a reference on Christmas Day. Like, seriously, that just struck me in the face. I, I just just now realized how messed up that is. That on Christmas Day, she made a reference to wanting to simulate an episode of The Walking Dead in which a character shoots a child in the back of the head. She went on to post. She might be the next blank was redacted. So I don't know what she likes to think of herself as and have to feed some pigs a body. And that was in on Christmas Day of December 2014 that she was already thinking. No one she shared these photos with or violent posts ever turned her over to authorities. Heather had even saved online ads she had found for straight jackets and blankets to transport human bodies. So when Heather was first being held on murder charges, she even went so far as to ask her landlady to log into her iCloud account so that she could have her photos of her kids saved. And while doing this for Heather, the landlord came across all of the photos depicting Adrian's torture that Heather had saved. She turned in photos to authorities, but at that point it was too late for this to be used in Heather's case, but they were used in Michael's case. So, but she sat on it for a second and that, that concerns me. What, what do you need to think about when you see photos of active torture to a child? That's not something you need to think on. We need to do better. Some of these photos Heather took are available to the public. And unfortunately, I accidentally stumbled upon them while researching this case. I had to pause working on this episode uh, for a couple of days because of how upsetting they were. And um, I'm not going to include any of them in today's episode or in the blog post. It's just too much gratuitous violence and torture. And I'm not going to subject you guys to that, but I will tell you what some of these photos captured of his treatment. And that should be enough to horrify you for the rest of your life. I saw documented instances where he was blindfolded, tied, and handcuffed to tables and even an inversion table. One of those things that help you stretch out your body, you know, and you can flip upside down in them. This kid would spend hours or even at least a day on this thing, on just tied up. I mean, the inhumanity, the sheer inhumanity of all of this is just incredible. Don't forget for one second though, there were other kids living in that household. Not only did Heather painstakingly document all of these instances, I don't even know if it's all of the instances or just the instances that were captured in photos. I don't know what else happened that maybe she didn't catch on camera. But she also took photos of his swollen ankles and arms and limbs where he'd been tied so tightly for so long that he would form musculature uh, disfigurement from this treatment. Think about that. There was an awful photo I saw where his face was severely bleeding and deeply cut after he had his face bashed in by a broomstick. Heather took pictures of it all. She wanted to remember every single act of cruelty. To cause a cut that deep, they had to put some effort behind that blow. I'm 
Like I said, I'm not including that picture here, but I can't imagine hitting myself hard enough in the face for it to split my face wide open. Just as a side note, I, I wonder how many concussions this child experienced at the hands of Heather and Michael. There's extensive like security camera footage that shows him being forced to walk around the yard carrying like tiki torches as punishment while Heather and Michael sit there and and watch. But he's so weak and he's so emaciated, he can barely hold these poles. There's footage of him being forced to eat out of a maggot-filled bowl outside. He had to eat whatever little he had to eat. He had to eat while he was on his hands and knees with his hands tied behind his back. This is treatment that's worse than what you would do to a neglected dog. He was a walking skeleton. It literally looked like a picture of a third world child starving to death. I was shaken and shattered to see how emaciated he was and still much of this photographic evidence. Heather even took pictures of his protruding bones and his gaunt face. They were just so proud of what they were creating. Michael and Heather relished the power they exerted to make this boy know he was helpless and to make him feel like the most unloved boy in the world. This is where I'm going to end today's episode, but please be forewarned that there is more graphic abuse and details to follow in the second part of Adrian's case. But I would like to thank you for joining me for today's episode. Please tune in for part two next week. In the meantime, please donate to a cause that is working to help protect children. If you don't know where to start, please visit our website for resources and click on the donate page where I've provided links to some of my favorite child advocacy programs such as MCAN, which is in Child Abuse Now, and the Coalition for Responsible Home Education. It is all of our responsibilities to stand up for the rights and lives of children everywhere. This is a fight that has nothing to do with partisan politics, simply the rights for all children to be safe, loved, and cared for. Thank you and join the family.